Good evening, everyone. Let's get started. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Sorry, no one was late there. I had his hand in a pain box. <laughs> pain. Oh, I love that so much. It's holding a needle to his neck. <laughs> the Gom Jabbar. <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna listen. I was like, to you the, have uh, to stop playing it. Eventually, just gonna listen though. to the June soundtrack. That's it. I'm just distracted. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole episode. It's the June soundtrack. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Phone it in like Hassan. We're just gonna put up someone else's content while we just go do something else. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Uh, it's uh, Thursday night, and we're all crossed out. Yeah, not Wednesday. And, correct. And, yeah, the bagpipes. I, you know, I'll say something about the bagpipes because the whole concept of this, before the movie came out, I was like, I really want Hans Zimmer to make, like, weird, otherworldly music and not just stick to, like, whatever. And he really did that, and that was also, like, the thought process. If you listen to interviews with him about the music, he was, like – he built instruments and he was like, I don't want this to sound like something from earth. Now there is a bagpipe, a literal ass bagpipe in it. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, what uh, people don't realize is Dune is uh, a book about the future. It's not a book about some imaginary world that doesn't exist. It is our future. It is the, it's, it's 10,000 years since something called the Butlerian Jihad, which is itself not the, like as in our future, but they use something called the OG Bible, the orange, the orange Christian Bible or some shit like that. Yeah. 40,000 years into the future. Or something Trump's like going to have his own Bible. <laughs> and the, and the, uh, and so, and I do think that there's like a, I believe that like house Atreides has some kind of like, supposedly some kind of like western you know western european heritage which i mean you can tell by looking at them i mean it's, they're not particularly exotic looking i mean they, <laughs> and the, they look and like european white people the yeah oh the orange catholic bibles thank you that's that's what it's called and the thing i liked about the bagpipes though was it was a an instrument that survived into the future but the music they played on it didn't sound like what you would hear on a bagpipe now. It sounded like it came from the musical sensibilities of a different time. That whole like, nah, 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 nah. like it's very non-bagpipey, which is what I liked about it. It felt like, because, you know, there are instruments we play now that were played a couple of hundred years ago, 300 years ago, but like the, what they played on it, kind of sounded different from the musical sensibilities of playing on it now, right? 
right? It's, it's kind of like Dune is like we went through the digital revolution, came out the other side, got bagpipes, but just made them sound like they sounded like when everything was just digitally created. <laughs> like we we think that this is what bagpipes sound like, right? Like not really, but okay, we'll give you that. Yeah, there's some things like that. You know that there are there are things that we don't know exactly like what certain ancient cultures is like music sounded like the before no musical notation existed all kinds of stuff like that like uh hema oops do you know h-e-m-a historic european martial arts meaning like the way knights fought with swords hmm. nobody knows how that happened samurai sword fighting is a tradition that's been kept alive since the time that it was used up until now so that there's institutional knowledge mm. on how you do that hema nope people just stopped fighting with armor and swords at some point and so at some point that knowledge was kind of lost now there's books and stuff but unlike like i said in the samurai tradition it's literally been passed down from a person teaching a person teaching a person here. Now we got to go recreate it using like historical clues and stuff. And that's an interesting thing about that. That's something that like there's armor and swords. You go to a museum, you turn on TV, you see like historical recreations mm -hmm. of it, but it's just essentially best guess. Like we didn't, you know, and, right. and go even further back to like Greek and uh, ancient uh, battles, it's a very interesting, this is such a digression, kind of, but not exactly, because Dune does have kind of a weird historic future. Ancient future, I believe, is the concept that they kind of worked off of, which I kind of like that idea. Um, we don't know how ancient battles worked exactly, because historical records don't really explain how Al a battle with like Alexander the Great or like a battle of the ancient Greek world worked. It's described in very kind of vague terms, probably because most men at the time were in the military. And so they kind of knew what a battle was like, it, like in a play, mm -hmm. you didn't need to like explain it or in a history, in a history, like in a, in a Herodotus history, he wouldn't feel the need to explain the course of the battle because everybody understood what break meant. Like they broke the other army, they pushed and they broke them, you know? Um, and so like, I do like that in Dune as well. There is this idea of this like ancient, ancient world, but it is far in the future, but it kind of feels very uh, old. Right. And obviously the trailer for Dune 2 dropped yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's not super detail heavy, which, okay, fine, cool. It looks like we pick up Paul exactly where we left him off in part one. Yep. And there's a lot of allusions to what is going to take place. I mean, obviously, if you've read the book, you're familiar with the story, you know where this is going. But even if you don't, it, it kind of picks up and gives you the idea, like, obviously, Paul is still out in the desert, wandering the desert, speaking of biblical things, hmm. out doing desert stuff. While everybody else is thinking, well, what if Paul's still alive? And then you get introduced to a couple of new characters that are going to become important in part two. Mm -hmm. And it just, first off, it looks like it's going to be gorgeous. Like the, the one teaser scene that they have in there with Fade, where it's like, it's literally, I can't tell if they shot it in black and white or if they shot it in color and just made everything black and white. It's probably like the, just made people up to be that pale. It's probably the yeah. latter. It's probably some kind of because it looks. It looks. It too, doesn't look like it's black and white. It looks right. like it's, it's processed too, to be right. It's too saturated yeah. to just be black and white. And I think what they're implying when I saw that shot, which you're right, is one of the most striking shots mm -hmm. of that trailer. 
what I imagined was that it might be on a planet. I think it's on Gietti Prime, which is the Harkonnen yeah, homeworld. Yes. The sun is so white and harsh that everything loses color and becomes high contrast. So they might have like a very bright white because we have mm-hmm. a yellow sun. There's classes of like the light mm-hmm. that suns emit. Actually, that, that became a whole thing. The yellow sun thing, but anyway. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, it gave me the impression, and I don't think this will be explained. I literally think it'll be like a, a, a stylistic choice that Getty Prime has this like harsh blue white sun that kind of washes everything into black and white, and I I find that really interesting, like very visually interesting, because it because you know we saw it at night and we saw the kind of industrial wasteland look of it. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do like the idea that they're this, it, it just helps visually sell the, the kind of the attitude of this, this, uh, faction or whatever you want to call it. Right. And there's one like teaser of a fight scene in there where it's like, it's shot in broad daylight and everything is like, the lighting is stark white. Everyone in there is made up to be white, 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 and they're all wearing black. And it's just very, like the, it looks like it's shot in black and white, but I don't think it was. I think it was shot in color and everybody mm. was just made up to the nines to be like white. Yes. To make the effect. Sure, sure. Uh, Kit J, the Sardaukar planet scene was awesome. I love when you have a sense of weirdness in a fictional culture depicted without explanation. Uh, I, I, I very much agree. Uh, and I think that Dune specifically, there's a few science fiction properties, but Dune is like the Mac daddy of them where you really need it to be weird. It's, it, it, it's so far in the future and it's so, and like everything in it, it's just so strange. Uh, there's a manga and also an anime called Knights of Sidonia. And it is also equivalently weird and in the future and everything in it is super alien uh and it's it really sells the atmosphere and here as well and i did after watching blade runner 2049 especially i i had the feeling that denis villeneuve would be able to nail the the aesthetics that were required of this the kind of weird brutalism of it where again that it feels ancient right like uh like arakeen the city on arrakis the capital city looks like an ancient city if you would see like a rec- recreation of like babylon or something like that that's what it would look like or maybe some kind of like a techno titian you know with the ziggurat pyramids and stuff it looks like old world it doesn't look like the future right right because arrakis is like a desert planet and we just associate that with like very 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 old stories but mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's obviously very far in the future but they're still in the desert it's the idea is that it is so far in the future that the fremen at some point emigrated to arrakis but that's all like totally lost they've essentially been there forever right mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of years to the point that they can't even trace the fact that they came from another planet yeah. right it's very like that's very like there's a lot to play with there that i find very interesting there's a a, a book i don't know maybe that's going to be one that's going to be made eventually called a canticle for lebowitz about the aft like about many many years after like nuclear apocalypse and the idea of like preserving the knowledge the lost knowledge of civilization it's a very very good kind of famous book if you if you're like a science fiction fan it's sort of a seminal work mm-hmm. kind of alongside dune i don't know i always heard like the the three old books old quote unquote like science fiction books that i always thought 
were like uh, a uh, like a like a, a panth like a trilogy of like really really good ones is Dune, uh, a Canticle for Leibowitz, and the third one is Roadside Picnic by the Strugatsky brothers, a Russian novella that the Tarkovsky film Stalker is based on, and also the 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 Stalker video games. Hmm. Uh, really fucking cool, and again, all, weird, weird. It's about aliens that crashed on Earth and then left, and the areas that they had crashed in and left are behave in ways that defy nature and have all kinds of weird artifacts, and it's about the people who like sneak in there to steal them okay. and sell them for shit. It is so fucking good. Really can't recommend those enough. Hmm, I'll have to pick that one up. Yeah, it was banned in the Soviet Union and stuff. No, everything was banned in the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. <laughs> Probably also Dune 2 if the Soviet Union still existed. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's really about Putin. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like I said, there isn't a ton of stuff to say about the trailer, which I like. It doesn't right. give away it, uh, all too much. And I mean, this is also the first trailer. I'm sure we will be getting more trailers between now and November. Yeah. So like – yeah, as far as first trailers go, okay, cool. They didn't but. show – they didn't show um, – Christopher Walken, mm -hmm. who's playing the Emperor, they did show two, uh, b three big casts for this, which is uh, Austin Butler, is that his right. name, who plays Fade, who was in the Elvis movie, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Flor Flory Pugh, yeah. Florence Pugh, Florence. and Leah Sado, mm -hmm. who is kind of in everything. Uh, I don't she's, – she's a good – I don't know. Either, I, maybe this is going to be the movie that sells me on Leah Sado. I, it always feels like she's like in every movie, but never like the star of a movie. But she's always like in the movie. I didn't, I didn't buy her as the woman that James Bond like ultimately fell fell the most in love with, and I don't know, I don't know if I bought that. Whatever. But um, anyway, uh, I think we can, uh, I think we can move on from that as a as a result. Just excited about the Dune movie. That's it. Right. That's the that's the, the bottom line and yeah and i think uh the 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 the, the theory uh, it depends on how this because you know the idea that they'll make uh they'll also make children of dune or whatever right uh is is up definitely up in the air and if this movie does really well which it might because it the first one did surprisingly well and now kind of hype well. is kind of yeah. big so and uh oh uh or oh dune messiah whichever right, yeah um Supposedly, he's signed on to make Rendezvous with Rama, the Arthur, Arthur, the Arthur C. Clarke novel, Rendezvous with Rama, uh, which I'm now rereading and is a kind of a, a good framework to adapt into a movie. There isn't a ton of character drama going on there. It's kind of a it's kind of dry, mm -hmm. uh, but it is about a big, weird, a, gi a big, gigantic, weird alien thing. And so <laughs> who does eh, you he, know. You know, the master of the big, weird alien thing? <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I can see if if part two stays popular, which I see no reason why it shouldn't. Because I think they, they, they managed to avoid the one thing that everybody does is wait too long before putting out the sequel. Yeah. Like, okay, it's two years. That's a good – okay, that's and, fine. And Anything much past that, then you start losing And people. considering – I am i don't – I'm uh, Occam's Razor. I don't believe in, in, like, conspiracy theories. I do believe that they were not sold on green lighting it until they oh, saw right. that it outperformed. Yeah. Uh, but the beauty of that was they apparently, or seems to be, they were all ready to go. Like the idea was like, okay, 
we're we're to- we're all like standing by the second we get the green light we're start working on the second one and so you're right it it only took 2 years um which i think is good and and won't feel rushed because again so much of it was already in place a lot of the vfx assets are going to continue to be used and a lot of the sets and a lot of the the team is all still there they're all getting to go that's why the lord of the rings trilogy felt so good i mean those they really didn't make back to back all of them right but uh and also uh infinity war and endgame were also kind of shot back to back but yeah i think that's it, it translates it feels more cohesive when you're able to do that right it doesn't feel like there's been like a huge like separation like it's visually and auditorily like cohesive like mm-hmm. the fx team's the same people music team's the same people obviously the actors are the same people so there's not like anything jarring between the two movies that makes you think oh like things change yeah no this can be this can end up being a really good like two-part or kind of like kill bill one and two like a really good a solid duology if the mm-hmm. if the you know if he doesn't get to make a third or whatever right uh jake peterson asks what about felicia's razor yeah so that means we're <laughs> we're going to transition to talking about what the the titular topic of this episode felicia's razor is a thing that i jokingly said when felicia sanmez got finally got fired from the washington post the idea that like you know don't shit on your boss if you still want to keep your job you know that is that's felicia's razor because eventually she ran out of whatever capital she had to do that um um but wait i don't know why that's felicia's razor in this case because luke plunkett didn't get fired he also didn't shit on his own boss he shit on someone else but i mean sure <laughs> he should get fired not because of the tweet but anyway do you want to explain the backstory or do you want me to explain the sure backstory? sure so uh, the 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 thing we're talking about is the ongoing uh sort of it's not a war but it's like a animosity say it's not a war when one person has like literally all the ammunition and has already decided the rules of the game and yeah essentially I mean, yeah. I mean they think that, i mean they so i mean they're they're hitting they're hitting back the way they can but the feud between nintendo and the gaming outlet kotaku uh which were blacklisted i mean i i think that word is is a little is a little uh like out of place here and i'll, I'll explain why in a second I think it's fair because well, I, I think that's literally what nintendo did well I'm and ex- i don't blame them i mean i'll explain why in a second i i think it's it's i mean it's not totally wrong but it, it is a little misleading in this case because like there are other for example there's a youtuber uh gaming youtuber called austin john plays that's the name of the channel mm-hmm. and he too is quote unquote blacklisted because he because of a like an uh, like a an, like an innocent misunderstanding, he misunderstood exactly what things from a certain preview who he wasn't allowed to show. And like the second they told him, he like re-edited his video. It was like a quick thing that he just didn't know that that was one of the things he couldn't show. And that was it. Now he also didn't get a copy, even though he by all accounts should have considering like his size and all that stuff. And yeah, he said in his video, like, I don't, they don't play with me. Like that's how he didn't say I'm blacklisted. He says, he said, Nintendo won't let me do fun stuff anymore because of that. Right. Well, I mean, now the Kotaku thing, Yeah, the Kotaku thing's a little different. So the official there, as far as I know, there is no official reason that they didn't get a, a like advanced access to well, we tears why. of the kingdom. So I don't know if we know why I have a theory and the theory, because I know of a recent instance from last October or October of 2021. Was it 
is it 2021 already when Metroid Dread came out? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, so yeah, because yeah, yeah, it wasn't last year. No, it hasn't it, been the year. Before. And it came out in in an, in an October, so it must have been October of 2021. Yeah. Mm. Metroid Dread, uh, um, you know, Nintendo get big Nintendo game. Metroid Five, highly anticipated, came out on Switch, and the day after. Uh, Kotaku published an article about how it was already running on PC emulators like pirated at 4K, which obviously the Switch cannot run on 4K. Mm -hmm. And uh, the article pretty much told people to pirate it. Right. Like it was very cheeky about it. And they ended up editing it and putting in editor's notes about – because Nintendo got really mad, understandably. For clear reasons because – Fun side note that's going to – a conversation that's going to come up when Tears of the Kingdom drops. I think – wasn't Metroid Dread the first $70 game? No, no. This is. Metroid Dread cost $60. This was is Nintendo's first $70 game, yes. There are other games that cost $70 out there now, like Jedi Survivor and stuff like on PC. But this is the first Nintendo game that they are charging $70 for. I just remember it was a big deal. Wow, that's that's even crazy to think about because it was a big deal when it was dropped because of the price. Yes. People were like, oh, my God. And now it's like we're, what, not even quite three years later and we're already, yeah. up, to, we're already up to 70. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Jake, uh, uh, it, it posted the, the, the link to the Kotaku article about Metroid Dread. It is very different now from what it was initially. Right. If you find yeah. my twit, tweet thread about it uh, 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 in it, somebody posted the original text of the article which was even worse than I'd remembered. Like it really was like a tee hee. Here's a link if right. you want to. Um, so anyway, Kotaku uh, got mad that they didn't get uh, the, uh, invited so, to the previews. Yeah. So our our theory, air quotes here, is obviously Nintendo got very mad at Kotaku for doing that, and now they do not get advanced copies of new AAA games. Of, or just Nintendo, draw your of, own conclusions. Yeah, of just a, I mean, of their of their games, they're also blacklisted. And this is a blacklist by I think both Bethesda and another another company. But in those cases, because we're gonna get to Luke Plunkett tweet and why I think this situation. Why his tweet is so bad. So, Luke, uh, but, but it's not, we're not there yet. There's layers though. Yes. So they complained about this, you know, about how they didn't get advanced access. Got a lot of flack, right? Got, you know, people got mad at them. And like, oh, to, shut up. And also, to be fair, Nintendo did do like a PR blitz where they did give people both publications and also, you know, streamers, YouTubers, stuff like that, access to the game early. There was, there's, videos up now not 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 those videos don't watch those videos watch watch the videos of the people who abided by nintendo's rules huh. on the embargo they got to play the game for like 50 minutes and then they said okay you're going to put 15 minutes of game time in your game that that did like nintendo did actually do like a pr rollout right. so it's it, not it that noticed, it's not that they didn't give it to anybody it's that they didn't give it to kotaku right now kotaku acted very indignantly as though this is like not a lack of transparency which again is ridiculous considering what jen said and also like they couched it in a lot of language like we're disappointed that the millions of kotaku readers won't be able to and it's like first of all 
you're not, come on, in what world are you living right. where somebody who's a Kotaku reader doesn't also consume this content from other places? Like that's not, don't act like this is an, like anti-consumer in general. You can say it's not, they were mad that it, it was them, right? They're mad that this was done to them. Mm-hmm. This isn't. And so Luke, Pl- and so what happened was Luke Plunkett, a writer at Kotaku. Uh, oh, so Tears of the Kingdom leaks too, right? Yeah, it Which leaks. Does, that's what I said. Don't watch those videos. Yeah, don't watch the leak videos. <laughs> watch the official videos, right. please. So the game leaked and got uh, ROM hacked, and you can run it on a hacked Switch now. Which Kotaku wrote a right. piece about that. So that's the thing. So Kotaku, they and they and now and they didn't write a piece about how you get it. What Luke Plunkett did was he wrote a piece about all of the information that we know from the leaks about the story and about it. It was clearly, clearly a retaliatory piece. And it's also a dick move. Yeah. Please do not do spoilers before a game drops. Right. That's rude. Like do that. And and again, this was clearly done in a retaliatory way. Like, oh, if you're going to be mean to us, we're going to be shitty. Like, like Like the literal title was what we learned about Tears from the Kingdom from leaks. Yes. Like they put it in the title. They're not being subtle about how they got this information. Right. And, and again, uh, the idea that you're going to be dickish and do a thing that an outlet like yours can't do because you're mad at how a company treats you is not, you're not, you're not looking like the, even if they don't look good, you're not looking good either. Right. And right. There's, there's... And Nintendo's not a good company. Nintendo sucks and have really bad business practices and fuck people and fuck their own communities in incomprehensibly bad ways. But like you're not again, I'm not I'm not rooting for you here. Like I'm you you both you kind of deserve each other in a way. And again, and so Luke Plunkett made a tweet uh that he then deleted and went private right because literally uh, everybody piled onto him for this because like i said it's bad in layers yes so the luke plunkett tweet says for the record this is how i feel about publisher blacklists and he posts an image of an american world war ii fighter pilot sitting in his cockpit and uh with next to the uh you know like uh flags of the planes he shot down with like six imperial japanese flags and six yeah, nazi basically his swastikas his kills his kills right yeah so like oh i'm adding uh, every blacklist i add to my kills list right or, or it's also posturing first off um can we please not use an imagery that's about you know literally dropping bombs on Japanese people? Yeah, Second I mean, I guess all, that's not it. I mean, that's a that, well, that's I mean, the that's, thing that, that you that's get a, for yeah, it's a thing. But also, enemy, enemy planes not dropping bombs on cities. But but again, but also, you're not fighting Nazis, my dude. You're you're just mad because so the outrage <laughs> came in layers. Some people were like, like "This yeah. is racist because killing Japanese people." It was. Uh, I was particularly insensitive. Yeah, it was say. insensitive because of the Holocaust or whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, the worst part about it. This might seem like a more irrelevant element, but for me, the worst part is that he, what what didn't happen here is that uh, Kotaku like exposed some kind of. Uh, a scandal inside Nintendo, some kind of bad business practice, and for that they were blacklisted. No, that kind of happened with like Bethesda and Blizzard, other companies. And in that mm-hmm. case, that's also why I like I uh, I'm more inclined to use the term blacklisted, right? Because that is that is like a, oh you're gonna report on a negative thing that went on in our inter- in like in an internal memo or something like that. Now fuck you. That to me is is like real shit response, right? 
in this case where it's like you you as a media outlet encourage people to pirate our game like why we we don't want to play with you anymore like that that's that's that sucks like i totally get it some i don't get again i don't like the idea that a company's like we the reviews you give for our games are fair but because you made our ceo look bad for something he actually did right mm-hmm. you didn't invent story about it he got accused of sexual harassment or whatever, and we tried to keep it under wraps, and you exposed it, and so now you're not going to be able to review our games. That is fully blacklisting, and the company looks bad because it's also a, uh, a like that's why journalism kind of exists. This isn't that. You weren't speaking truth to power. You weren't acting as a consumer advocate, which I think like the gaming press should should do they should write angry stories about games that ship broken instead of saying don't attack the devs this isn't fair they work very hard it's like don't that's not pro consumer nobody's mad at the coders that a game ships broken they're mad at the company that ships the game broken right and that's usually not their decision and nobody's going to like the level designer or the play tester and saying you did a bad job we all know that they didn't have enough time to do their job properly and that's not their fault that's the company's fault but that's that's what people are saying people are saying fuck this developer they're not saying fuck steve jones the you know the whatever the asset the animator or i don't know what right Right, we just kind of like kind of cross streams there, but <laughs> to bring it back to the Kotaku things, like, well, yeah, I mean, the the problem with the tweet, I mean, all of the problems with the tweet, but also like the lack of self awareness in that your publication brought this on yourselves by burning Nintendo on a AAA game release. So of course they're not going to give you access to their next marquee release because obviously. You cannot be trusted with certain information. Therefore, we are not going to give you access to our new Zelda game because we don't trust you to abide by the rules of the agreement here because you clearly can't do that. So that's why, I mean, I can completely understand on that level Nintendo being like, no, we're not giving you access to this game. And I mean, of course, I'm sure there's probably some pettiness involved in it too, which again, that's fine. I mean, Nintendo's under no obligation to give anybody no. any early access no. and to certain the Zelda pe- game. Certain pettiness just makes more sense than other. Like, it's right. not that they're mad that they gave their game a game where there's a bad review. Like, that would be total shitty pettiness and absolutely no justification. I again, I don't. I'm not saying hurrah Nintendo. Again, it's a big faceless entity, right? This mm-hmm. isn't any person who's doing this, right? It's a company doing it through their lawyers or whatever. In this case, through their like PR division. But again, but that's also why I'm saying, a... I can completely understand this from a business perspective of them looking at this and being like, no, I don't, I know, well, yeah. we don't trust you. No, you can look so at, a, no, yeah, you can look at a chain of causality and say like this, this is a, a logical move by the company it makes sense to me. And it doesn't seem overly, it, oh. it seems directly related by the way, it seems directly related. It's like your like you like your uh uh like essentially kind of violating a sort of uh because again encouraging p- piracy in a media outlet on the the day after the game releases and not just that but like you're pumping up the emulator for like running better than the uh, the right. game runs on its official hardware that's fucking shitty. And it's also the implication is like, fuck you, Nintendo, exactly. for not making a more powerful system. 
and 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 in order to give you a, a f- the finger, we're going to do this. And it's like you're a you're an a, like a media outlet. You're not supposed to do that, right? And, and it kind of has this feeling. And Kotaku is a big, big, big source of all this. But like, there's a lot of gaming journalism. I, I'm not going to say the word. I'm not going to say the word because we're not going to bring that up. But there's a lot of gaming journalism that has pivoted to more of like a progressive sort of space. And I think that's where that Metroid Dread piece actually came from was basically being just like, fuck you, Nintendo, but also like, fuck you, capitalism. Like you don't have to pay $60 for this game. You can go get it. You can do it on an emulator. You can and run it, it even runs better. even better. Yeah. And so, but when you do that, it, it, there seems to be like this, like forgetting in brains that, billion dollar companies can fuck you harder than you could ever fuck them yeah the reaping sowing meme right right like you're not like okay so you 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 scored one on nintendo now they're gonna score like 10 on you so what did you really accomplish here and like i said like i can completely understand it from a business perspective like i would not trust a publication in this situation to not reveal more information than I want you to reveal about this game. And like I said, like Nintendo didn't have to give anybody advanced anything to this game. Like it's, it's Zelda, it's Nintendo. They don't need any more hype really per se. I mean, it was a nice thing for them to do and it's not completely altruistic. Like I'm not stupid. It helps them to have hype videos. Yeah, I think they kind of needed it too, but I mean, that's whatever. Uh, That's separate. Not in the way that like, say like an indie dev needs to send out stuff to build up hype. Like they don't need to build up hype. It was only because they, it was only because they kept so much info under wraps for so long that it really did kind of uh, like call for a thing like this so but like imagine a little, a little tiny peak which is nice yeah. again but like, let's translate this to a different area right because this is for some reason people have a weird a weird time uh reconciling these things ju- only in gaming and in no other area mm-hmm. i'll give you this anecdote uh tesla and also mercedes they software lock certain features on your car. They're like, if you want your car to have 20 more horsepower, mm-hmm. you pay $9.99 a month, your car gets more horsepower, right? Which means they limit the car's abilities with their software, right. which is fucking bullshit, oh, right? I have a crazy story I can tell okay. you from my auto repair days about Mercedes stuff, okay. but go on. Okay, now imagine if jalopy or car and driver magazine or whatever right got a car like this to review or something Mm -hmm. like that or didn't or whatever and posted an article like here's a way to bypass tesla's uh software lock Mm -hmm. on their thing right now would i love that if i had a tesla and i could like do that sure would I be surprised if Tesla then like froze them out of any promotion in the future? Absolutely no. not. No. Absolutely not. And if I'm a guy who doesn't own a switch or who doesn't care about the moral qualms of piracy or whatever, and Kotaku is like, here's the leaks or whatever, and you're like, oh, sweet, cool. Sure, but like, would you be surprised if Nintendo was like, all right, then well, fuck, fuck you, you now. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, I'd like, I get it. <laughs> Exactly. And that's why I like I'm not mad at Nintendo for doing this. And I don't feel like they're petty for doing this because there is a business reason for doing it. Is there also a petty reason for doing it? Yes. Do I think that factors in? Probably. Do I think that this tweet is going to help anything? 
absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. I don't care how fast you deleted it. I don't care how fast you locked your account. Everybody's got screenshots. You cannot tell me that nobody at Nintendo Brass saw this tweet. And so how does this affect their relationship with Kotaku going forward? Not good. Like if there was going to be any kind of thawing, I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. Not in time for the Switch 2, by the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, and, and this is why I said like, I, I'm not a fan of people getting fired for tweets in and of themselves. And if this was just like the tweet, like, okay, it's a shit tweet, but you deleted it, you the whatever. This is something that is going to directly impact your employer's ability to do business with the biggest game dev and hardware manufacturer in gaming mm-hmm. on the planet. Mm-hmm. That's a huge fuck up. Yes. Like that is the kind of thing that you should get fired for. Look, I worked at a place once. I'm going to keep this vague because I don't want to blow up anybody's spot or this is private. So yeah. I'm just going to be vague. Uh, a place I worked at and I did stuff like editing, photo editing and like posting of photos and stuff. Uh, they explained to us one day, like the policy about like, uh, credit, co- you know, copyright and using copyrighted content and how to use it and how not to use it and all kinds of stuff like that. And what are the limits? It was like a lawyer, like a, like a copyright lawyer came to mm-hmm. explain to us fair use and what exactly constitute fair use and stuff. And we were basically told, you know, like, yeah, we got your back and then if you do something by accident or whatever, mm-hmm. but like. If something happens and you end up costing the company like millions of dollars, yeah, you'll get fired. Even if it was like, and and it's like, and 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 understandable, absolutely. Like I don't if even if I made an 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 innocent, honest mistake that I really didn't mean to, or it happened totally by some kind thing that that under normal circumstances I would have expected not to be disciplined for, but it cause my company to lose millions of dollars i would probably just resign out of like sheer like self-horror right i would just be like don't even fire me like, I'm, I'm leaving I'm I'm like, li- yeah i have my box yes. right here it's under yeah. my arm like yes. i'm just coming by to say bye there's a I, I, I this isn't even an apocryphal story but it is a, a real story i just don't remember if it's fleetwood mac or some other band but there is a, a, a legend in like recording of a, of a, all, a recording all engineer. Legend, all legends are about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> a recording engineer who accidentally like destroyed a full album master of theirs mm-hmm. and literally like left town, ha- like left the job and left town and just like disappeared. Right. You need to go like spend time on a mountaintop after that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is back in the old days. Like cleanse in yourself. The, yeah. In the tape, like he destroyed the tape somehow or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that that would be me. Me, I would be like, you don't, don't even, de- don't I, even debate firing me. I'm just, I'm, le- I'm gone. Like, I'm resigning. Given the level of panic we have had over times when we've been recording using Pro Tools and it like crashed, and we were like, mm-hmm. oh shit, did we just lose a whole episode? Yeah, I can't imagine losing a whole tape. I mean, when I was in because you can't replace that. So mm-hmm. I studied sound engineering, and uh, we we were t- like in one of my first like mix classes or recording classes. One of those that our our professor said at some point in your career you mm-hmm. are gonna lose yep. work come to terms with it right now so mm-hmm. that when it happens you don't feel like miserable like oh why did this happen to me happens to everybody on a long enough timeline you'll a, a hard drive will crash yep. while you're working with it there'll be some kind of power surge 
Something will get corrupted. Yeah. You will accidentally do a thing. It'll fucking happen and it'll suck. It'll be terrible. But know that it will so that when it does, you don't feel like, oh, woe is me, right? And I, I always kept that in mind. I luckily, I don't think I ever had it. I lost like, uh, I lost like a la- re- regular laptop hard drives that had like picture, old pictures on them and mm-hmm. stuff like that happened to be sure. But not, not some kind of recording or not that I can think of anyway. Right. Uh, I don't know what else we have to talk about. Well, we can talk about oh, because I I I literally I had forgotten about the Ezra Miller comment, and you had been out of town. Oh, sure. Since until yesterday, you'd been out of town like all week, so like you kind of missed it. But oh boy, all right. So yeah. um, so the Flash is coming yes. out next month, um, Wait. and is by by many accounts a good movie, like a pretty good movie. Well. God damn, I hope so. If you're going to have a production designer come out. I heard like a this. rumor. I heard a rumor that if if happens will make me very happy. Now, this is fully a rumor, so I feel com- comfortable saying it here. And the rumor is that it's going to have a cameo by Nicolas Cage as Superman. And the reason this is such a big deal is because uh, of a a movie that never happened called Superman Lives from the early 2000s that was going to star Nicolas Cage Mm -hmm. as Superman. Tim Burton was going to direct it, I believe. There's a documentary about it by the late John Schnepp called The Death of Superman Lives. There's like test footage of him in a suit, and, and it is ridiculous. People say that if the movie, if that movie got made, it might have like, uh, put superhero movies back like a decade it was going to be so crazy and dumb that oh really wait is he really in the are you are you saying that it's true or oh no okay rumor there we go okay cool i heard a rumor yeah because that would be uh a really i'm obsessed uh there's something you should know about me is i'm obsessed with movies that never came out that either you know either never came like we're in production and then never got filmed or got filmed and then got, uh, you know, were never edited or thrown away. Jodorowsky's Dune is an example of this lost in La Mancha, which is the Terry Gilliam, uh, Don Quixote movie that eventually many years later got made. There's also a documentary about that called lost in La Mancha. Oh, it was called man of La Mancha. I'm sorry. The documentary is called lost in La Mancha. Uh, I love stuff like that. And The Death of Superman Lives is a really interesting movie about a, a movie that never happened. Uh, and yeah, it would be the weirdest fucking thing ever to see to see him. In, and if they bring the suit, you should Google Ooh. Superman Lives, Nicolas Cage suit. I'm going to show it to Jen right I'm now. I'm really hoping none of this happens now. It's going to be so for, super funny. I, I'm hoping none of this happens. Because I mean, I... I'm kind of rooting for Warner Brothers slash DC to kind of have like a DC universe that's something actually like serious and cohesive. Yeah, see, Jen, you see this is the suit that he was going to wear and it's like a weird kind of plastic suit that had uh, like fiber optics running through it that were going to kind of light up in kind of muscle patterns. It looks ridiculous and he like- has long hair down to his shoulders which he was gonna have in the movie apparently 
It is. It looks like the kind of thing that like those guys that do like light therapy on their balls. It looks like they would like wear this suit for like <laughs> some kind of muscle stimulation. It's or a, something. it's a portable tanning bed. <laughs> But so um, I just sit on my couch and, and the, the, the oh, electricity the, works my muscles. Yes. The underwater avatar movie that I'm obsessed with is called Empires of the Deep. And this is a movie that was like self-funded by some Chinese, rich Chinese mm -hmm. person or, or, or is it a Russian oligarch? It's one or the other. Maybe a Russian, Chinese? maybe a Russian oligarch. It was, know. it starred Olga Kirilenko. There's a long, it might be Vanity Fair or something like that article about it. Uh, I would love to see a documentary about it. I would love to see any footage from it. It's there. It, it, I think it was like fully filmed and partly through post-production or something like that. And I think nobody's ever going to see that. And I think that's a huge tragedy because it was going to be so crazy. And it was made. Yeah. Like on the heels of, uh, uh, on the heels of avatar. So it was, Oh yeah. It wasn't made by a Chinese guy. Uh, cause it is, it is, a, it, it is, like it, it does have a Chinese title. So yeah, it wasn't cause it stars a rush. Never mind. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't remember it's if it was like a, some Russian oligarch or some Chinese, Chinese oligarch. Russian, yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yes. anyway, bringing you back to the movie that you are going to see in the near future with Ezra Miller starring as the flash. Right. Flash, very gorgeous. Flashes. Someone yeah. said, is that why, is that why he switched to they, them? It's cause he's playing two people. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, man. That was such a great joke. So anyway, back to, back to the quote that started this whole conversation. So one of the production designers, Paul Austin Berry, um, was giving an interview in some venue and he said probably about the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I, I will give you the quote here. Like, okay. So as reported by the CBC, Austin Barry, Austin Barry says he's not too concerned about how the stories surrounding Miller will affect the film. People will forget that. He said, noting that Miller did a superb job playing the titular hero as two distinct characters, which required production to shoot, the film in two different chunks with Ezra switching roles every few days. That is a bold statement to say, sir. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about like bad tweets here. I mean, Ezra Miller is accused multiple times of assault of child endangerment of grooming a child and <laughs> basically being an absolute fucking whack job. And we've discussed this on the show a few times about whether I mean, obviously, at this point, they're not pulling Ezra Miller from this version of The Flash, although I will say everybody at Warner Brothers, including James Gunn, is kind of being very publicly noncommittal about bringing Miller back for any future Flash movies. They're, which means they're definitely not doing it. Yeah, because it, if, it, if any anything that isn't a yes is a no. It's clear that they don't want to say this now that right. the movie, the movie, but, by but the way, even might, yeah, the movie might even end in a way that like closes the door on that. He might die or he might go I into mean, another universe or I, whatever. I was saying, there's tons of ways you can handle this in the Flash universe to divest yourself of Ezra Miller while still continuing the Flash storyline because we've got. 5011 Earths and 5011 Berries and 5011 Flashes, and it wouldn't be a big deal to like bring somebody else in. Now, here's my question. Like, there's lots of people in this movie, right? Who aren't Ezra Miller. Right, right. Lots of people worked on it. 
Is it a big deal? Well, here's the thing. Will it be a big deal? I don't know. Is saying that it won't be a big deal because he does such a just a whiz bang phenomenal right, job right, in the movie right, and sure. he worked so hard. Sure. And I'm sorry, they they worked so hard uh-huh. on this movie. Like that, like the idea that that should give somebody a pass is bullshit. Right. No. No. That, like that's an right. insane thing to say. Right. The quote. The quote is bad. Like, uh, like full stop, right? The right. quote is bad. People won't for, certainly f- not forgive because of a great performance in a flash movie, right? I don't, I don't know. Again, I, and and this is also a situation in which it's not like the casting happened after all this shit happened. The movie was like they had sunk millions and millions into it. Directors came and went. It was like a nightmare. I mean, the whole—I mean, the whole thing has just been like kind of cursed from the job. Right. The sunk cost in this was too much to bear. Right. This is a really extreme edge case because uh, was it Crystalia that they totally edited out of uh, that Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead, and they put in Tig Notaro instead? Right. That required a lot of like relatively a lot of work and it was a very minor thing there. You're not going to be able to do that here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was already so much invested in it that, the, you know, it has to happen now. Now here's the thing. Cause there are other, you know, Hollywood people who are problematic and uh, whatever. And there's like, to me, sports is a good counter example because a, a crowd's cheer and you know and, and and go crazy for multiple athletes who are convicted of things and like bad things violent offenses all kinds of stuff like that and for some reason in sports i mean obviously a lot of people are disgusted by this but nobody's like quitting a fandom because their team drafted it. I mean, maybe some people but like not not to any degree that it bothers teams cuz look it still happens right mm-hmm. And so is it okay? Let's let's put put it like this. Is it okay to go to the movie and be like this movie was awesome and Ezra Miller was awesome in it? I mean, I am assuming we will go see it when it comes out. Because sure, probably. we do this. So Yeah. And I'm curious. But... Again, I like I like a cuz now we're in the period of like multiversal movies where literally anything can happen. Like any character from any DC project in any period in history could literally just walk into this into frame, right? At any given time. And that's fun to me. Like, you know, that's not because I'm not emotionally invested in this universe at all. So it's no. not like, oh, Memba Berries fanboys. I'm literally going there to get some good Memba Berries. Like that's the that's the reason I'm going. I don't care about the DC universe right now. I mean, now. like I I, I don't have not right now. I hope James Gunn makes me care. I, I mean, right now I don't care. I mean, I don't have any deep love for the Flash, and I was somebody who like kind of like casually watched the Flash TV show and stuff like that. But <coughs> the idea in and like you said, I mean, it very very well may end up being a thing where audiences don't care, and I think that we will get that sort of dichotomy where you will get a lot of articles when it comes out about Ezra Miller. It will be very big online. But your average, like, non-online person probably has no idea that any of this is happening. And so they're going to be like, oh, I went and saw The Flash and Ezra Miller was so great. And, like, they don't know about any of this shit. So how does – I mean, I'm – well, actually, I won't – 
I won't even say I'm going to be sure this is going to do numbers because this is another reason why Warner Brothers kind of had to go full steam on this because Black Adam and Shazam did not work out according to plan. No. So, and I, uh, I do think it'll probably do fairly well on the strength of like uh, Keaton's Batman, uh, Zod returning and it, and it being kind of like that and all kinds of the, the, the what might happen factor would will be strong will it do crazy numbers it's not gonna do like bad I, numbers no. i don't think so no 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 and and the next and so and i'm like i said i'm not invested in dc at all i hope james gunn will be able to change it the next movie that's coming out for dc which is blue beetle also just looks kind of meh yeah none of it is very particularly fascinating no i but, and i mean and you can say that about a lot of marvel stuff too but i mean it's like none of this is like particularly grabbing me like, yeah and blue beetle i do believe that uh for the most part because these are characters that i i'm only very vaguely aware of blue beetle and booster gold which are characters that come kind of together right and booster gold is actually a re- Blue Beetle is a less interesting character to me based on his like backstory. Booster Gold is more interesting. He's like a loser from the future who came here and just uses his like amazing future technology to kind of be cool here, even though he's like a loser in the future. And I kind of find that 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 idea interesting. I thought it was hilarious that the guy who plays Blue Beetle was like, this movie's going to be interesting and unique because it's one where the person who has the powers doesn't want to have powers. And it's like, have you watched any superhero thing ever? Right. That's the entire plot of X-Men is people who don't want to have superpowers. Right. I mean, like Stanley explicitly did a whole ass plot arc about that particular topic. But yeah. mm-hmm. what's fascinating to me uh, about that is like, okay, so it's kind of like, Bruce Wayne slash Tony Stark in reverse. Like, okay, you come from the future with like cool tech and then you just give it to everybody else instead of being like here and developing cool tech because you have like your own mental slash emotional issues that you're trying to work through. And so you do this. Yes. Another reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of, uh, uh, looking forward to it is that the story that it's loosely based on the flashpoint paradox is Mm -hmm. kind of a cool comic book story right and so speaking of cool comic book stories Uh, hold on no hornsby i don't come here because i'm too stupid for twitch i come on here because i'm too ugly for twitch i it's (laughs) there's no there's no camera (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's a lie. I'm too ugly for Twitch. <laughs> You're the looks of the operation, Jen. <laughs> but anyway, moving on to the movie that we are going to see tomorrow night. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Which will be the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm-hmm. James Gunn. He, uh, that's again, like speaking, Marvel swan song. Speaking yeah. of James Gunn. Yeah, good, uh, good, good, uh, good, ambitious crossover attempt style segue. I'm, see, I'm, I'm good at this. We're bringing, we're, uh, we're bringing our, uh, our crossover energy over to, to this show too. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I was telling Jen I watched Guardians two again last night in and prep i mean it's not because like avengers happens after that but god that movie's good i don't understand why people I don't like it super unpopular opinion time that we both agree with two is better than one no i don't know if i agree that i think that they're on a two. i think that they're on a level they're they have, they do different things 
I just feel like two has a better story and better plot development and moves characters forward better. It 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 is a uh, a really good, relatively rare example of a sequel that doesn't just do the first movie again. Right. Right. It's it, it it does something very different. It's beautiful. It is such a good looking movie, right? It has James Gunn's like legendary needle drops all over the place, like just the greatest like music in the weirdest moments that all really work really well. It's emotional. It has character development. I really do not understand why people don't like it. I don't I, either. Legitimately, and uh, if this one nails it. The only issue that will that it will have, which is an issue that like the Captain America trilogy has too, is that a lot of shit happens in between the movies that you kind of have to know, right? It's like the Mandalorian. But I mean, that's but I mean that's the the, and that's been my beef with the MCU for some time now is that like you kind of have to watch everything to understand what is going on with anything. You know, I think that they realize that in a way, and I think that because of that. They're slowly uh, doing kind of clean breaks because, you, you again, when we get to phase eight, what are you going right. to have to know all eight phases? No, there's going to be some kind of not a reboot, but eventually because like, for example, Captain America four world new world order is the new Captain America. Right. And so you won't necessarily need to know every like at some point it's going to be where all you're going to need to know is like the beginning of these characters, I guess. I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's difficult to do. Right. Right. And it's just like an awkward thing right now, because like, even if you wanted to introduce, like, you know, you have a friend that wants to get into it or like your kid wants to get into it. You're like, all right, let's sit down and watch 22 movies and about three TV shows. And then we can go see the movie that's coming out. And the problem is the TV shows aren't super compelling. Right, and but you I'll, have to watch them. Yeah, some of them you really do. And I also, re, I also yeah. this week I also rewatched uh, Multiverse of Madness, which also, by the way, it's it, it stands out from the crop of recent Marvel movies only because it's so wacky and Sam Raimi ish. Like it has right. style like, and goofiness. And I, my observation is here: the only part of the movie where the goofiness doesn't work is the scene where he meets the Illuminati. And then they get killed and stuff. That entire seg- segment, and that segment was probably the one he had the least creative control over, because that's a very that's a very Disney comes. Because Sam Raimi's not um he's not Kevin Feige, right? No, no, no. He's... Right, he's not an MCU guy. No. And so he they came to him and were like, "Here's the characters we want to put in." And and so all of the kind of goofiness and weirdness that works in the rest of the movie doesn't work there and that sec that segment i kind of think is kind of lame and people say that's the point the point is like the illuminati are supposed to be these like super like, powerful world council mm-hmm. and she just stomps all over them but it isn't but they come across as dumb it would have been better if they came across as really capable and strong and stuff and she still did it right but that also some of that is just the sam Raimiism of the rest of the movie but it just kind of clashes in that one sequence I think it was also in the service of demonstrating just how powerful Wanda was. But the point of bringing up Multiverse of Madness, aside from the fact that it's just, it's a good movie. People panned it. Like, I don't care. Like, I I will watch a Sam Raimi MCU movie any day of the week. But you have to watch WandaVision. Yes. Or at least familiarize yourself with what happens in WandaVision. Otherwise, 
you will have no clue what's happening. Yeah, my friends and I were trying to think about, like, uh, try, we tried to look at the movie through the eyes of someone who had not watched WandaVision. And if there is. You would have no, you'd be like, what the hell is wrong with I, Wanda? I, so a teeny bit. Like there is, there is a, there is a slight way to understand what's going on, but a lot of the context goes missing because there are lines of dialogue where if you haven't watched when she's like, they're my kids. And he's like, Wanda, you don't have kids. You made them with magic. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess if you didn't watch WandaVision, you'd be like, Mm -hmm. okay, I get it. So, okay. So she, she made kids with magic and now they're gone and she wants them and so she's gonna go get them from another universe but you would have to like watch it to understand like no she literally like conjured them out of her head due to her grieving the loss of vision and she literally took over her whole town because she went crazy in a weird way she's in crazy head place in a weird way wandavision is the first act of multiverse of madness multiverse of madness kind of feels like it starts in the middle of the first act where it kind of introduces where Doctor Strange is and stuff, but not where Wanda is. He just goes right. see Wanda. And so almost, you you know, if only there was a way to condense WandaVision into like a half hour, make Multiverse of Madness a two and a half hour movie instead of a two hour movie and just have like <laughs> how it happens somehow, do like a truncated. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, maybe. But I mean, it it was done the way it was done for a reason and I don't, hate it i don't hate the existence of wandavision i just i don't i've i've been repeatedly not a fan of how the mcu kind of handles that because like i said like the buy-in if you're not there from the beginning like it's a lot at this point and like if you're trying to like introduce somebody to it it's kind of like that's that's kind of a big ask yeah (laughs) it's like you know what it reminds me of like i'm i'm trying to get into critical role now because of the legend of vox machina and because my girlfriend's a huge critical role fan and it's like okay cool i want to listen to vox machina there's like 600 hours of it right like and that's just and that's just the first campaign and it's like god like okay may um can you just like just give me like a quick summary. On like, the bridge. Well, no, but the thing is, it's a D&D campaign. So there is no, you know, like doing it. There is no do it quick. Like that's part of the, the fun. But it's like it's so, the idea that you're going to now listen to 600 hours of Dungeons and Dragons is that's daunting. Right. That's fucking daunting, man. Like it's a big ask. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think it's quite 600 hours of the MCU at this point. No. But it's a lot of. We're getting there. We're getting there. Getting there. It's, it's getting there. It's, it's, it's a lot of hours. Shows are, yeah. It's show, shows are a lot. Shows are definitely a lot. And I, honestly, I know this sounds dumb, but I do think that Disney would be smart if they made like short, like uh, recaps of all of their shows, like a half hour WandaVision recap, just so you could, if you had to, because what you're doing is you're dissuading people. Like, I know you want people to watch WandaVision, for example, even though just having it is enough, like you don't need, there's no ratings on Disney plus, right? If you have it, you have it. But I do think you would actually be doing yourself a service if you were also the repository for like a quick – because now people just go on YouTube. Like if you want to do this, this is a service that exists. Disney is like dropping the ball on providing like an official counterpoint to the millions of like I'm going to recap WandaVision in five minutes. I'm going to recap phase one in ten minutes. Like you, it would actually be pretty useful for them to do that as official content. Right. And even outside the MCU, we made this point going into season three of The Mandalorian, which is that 
If you didn't watch the second half of Book of Boba Fett, you would have no clue what's going on in The Mandalorian That's season exactly right. three. That's exactly so we're right. kind of like, okay, are they going to like maybe do like, here's what you missed or something like that? Because like I said, like the, where you left off on season two of The Mandalorian was Din Djarin handing over Grogu to Luke. Season three, they're back together, like hanging out, doing things all of that, you know, and you'd be like, wait, what? Wait, what just – no, he. I thought he was training with Luke. He said something like, I completed my mission, and then he returned to me, Which uh, and that was it. Which, like, completely undersells what happened. Yeah, and I know Dave, this is a Dave Filoni thing. Dave Filoni is a big fan of, like, playing to the insider, right? He, he thinks there is value in – a moment that only if you watched X you would truly appreciate, but which yeah I, yes but no there's a line to dance with that there right. in the Lord of the Rings in the uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring the director's cut when they get to uh, to Lorien to to uh, Galadriel mm -hmm. they go meet her in Celeborn which is the king of 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 that uh, realm and he says. Where is Gandalf, you know, and mm -hmm. and uh, Legolas only in the extended edition says he was killed by a Balrog of Morgoth, right? Now, if you didn't read the Silmarillion, whatever, it's just another, you know, it's a Balrog. He mm -hmm. says of Morgoth. You don't know what the fuck that is. Mm -hmm. If you read the Silmarillion, you're like, holy shit, he said Morgoth. Somebody in the Lord of the Rings said Morgoth, right? Who is like the OG. He was like he was Sauron's like boss, quote right. unquote. He is literally like the the big bad of this. He's like the Satan of this universe, essentially. Uh, and so that's the way to make the insiders feel like they're in on extra info. You gotta you you need the normie. You need the person who happened to not watch. That's the thing. Like, what if somebody just happened to not watch it? Right? You're you're kind of penalizing them. And saying like, well, sorry, you should have watched the thing. I don't know. What if, what if they couldn't? What if they were in a coma? I don't know. What if they're just I mean, fans of Mando? I, right. Like, and I and I get that. Oh yeah, Melkor exactly. I mean, I. What just happened? Are you still here? Here, oh, what happened to Jen? Wait, hold on a second. Okay, I think it was just a few seconds. I think we're back and it did not stop recording. I think there, what what just happened, guys? Did you keep hearing me? Was I, was I still speaking? Can somebody explain to me what just happened? <laughs> did you know <laughs> Oof. Never. Yes, we're not gonna comment on that. <laughs> oh, there was silence, okay. Wait, is there still silence? Wait, wait, hold on. No, no, there's not. Okay. 
Oh, the sound. The, oh, all sound cut off while Jen was talking. Okay, it was only a few seconds, and for some reason, it kicked me like it logged me out of Colin. Like I, apparently, like my points are just too fired. Yeah. Colin had to <laughs> kick me off. I can't handle this much awesomeness. <laughs> I'm, I'm collapsing. Uh, I, and I mean, I think we're 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 pretty much like at the end of the the show anyway. Right. Um, I, I was just yeah. making the point. Oh, go of, ahead. Like for for everybody who missed it because everybody but you missed it that basically like i i understand the point of making like that kind of like all-inclusive like fan experience where like everybody watches everything but it, when it comes at the point of having somebody be able to like walk into a franchise at a certain point and maybe not even like get like everything but be able to like pick up like the general gist of everything that's going on uh, that that loses you audience that turns people off and, and especially like I, i've i've said this about the mcu it's just like it it's it, it's kind of it, it's very daunting to somebody trying to come into it and then so like you look at all this back stuff that you gotta like watch and you're just like eh, never mind and whatever. also in fair and, and all dave filoni if you really want to people to watch a thing so that they know what the next thing is don't make it a fucking mid middling piece of crap <laughs> Like you need to make it really good. That's the thing. Like, because people are dissuaded from watching the book of Boba Fett because it has bad reviews. People didn't like it. Right. I, I'm just, I feel like I'm, I don't know if I just review things differently or if I'm kinder, but I didn't hate Boba Fett. It anyway. just, it was, it was drawn out. I don't, I, I just could not, I literally, I just could not get into it. I mean, I get the criticisms, but. And, um, and 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 it has bad word of mouth among the fandom. Like the fandom does not enjoy it. It like it. Nobody loved Book of Boba Fett, and that's a huge problem. If you need it to be like a vital piece of of thing to watch, you know what I mean. Like for example, I don't know if uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to end up being vital mm. to watch. Right? We're, we Sam oh. Wilson becoming Captain America. That happens in that show. But you bet your ass there's like it's not going to just be uh, because he gets the shield at the end of Endgame. So in mm -hmm. theory, you could just be like, OK, he's Captain America now. Right. Ooh. It doesn't matter. He isn't Captain America for 90 percent of that show either. So it's not that's not a big deal. It's character. It has good. It has some good solid like Bucky character development. But yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, I think uh, I think on that note, we're going to wrap up uh, the show. Um, so, you know. As always, we always appreciate you listening yes. to this. And uh, even when Collins tries to silence me, <laughs> I've been censored. We are at this moment eight days away from Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, we're going to be here next week to listen to me be like die with anticipation and maybe be mad that my copy hasn't shipped yet. Well, are you are you getting a physical copy? Yes, I ordered a phys I pre-ordered a physical copy. No, I'm just a physical copy kind of guy. I you know, especially In for Switch. I love Switch cards. I love. I don't like a CD like CD uh, media yeah. for like a PlayStation or whatever. I mean, I still buy them, but I don't like them. I love a solid state media. The Switch cards just remind me of like Game Boy Cartridges. and Game Boy Advance, and like yeah, it just it, it just feels it feels like gaming to me. <laughs> a physical media that's solid state and just put in your thing. That to me is like a, it, I love it. I absolutely love Switch uh, Switch media. 
So anyway, on that note, we're going to end. Uh, Jen, you want to do the plugs, and then we will uh, we'll get out of here? Okay. So our main podcast, Ambitious Cross for Attempt, you can find us on Mondays on all your podcast catchers. Um, obviously, you can find us here on Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Um, you can catch us live, or you can listen to it afterwards on all your podcast catchers. You can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. I am still foraging for a Blue Sky invite so that I can get AMBX over over on Blue Sky. Um, until then, you can find me on Twitter at AM or you cannot find me on Twitter at AMBX over. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and also on Blue Sky at the same handle. You can find me on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. And yep, go ahead. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter. And YouTube.com slash NeonTaster and Twitch.tv slash NeonTaster, where two tears of the kingdom will be making an appearance shortly. And uh, Ambitious Crossover Attempt on YouTube, where our ambitious streams air. Thank you very much. Have a good night. And we will see you all next week. Night, everybody. Bye.